Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, if you contributed last year in any way, just so you know, our, uh, your contribution reports are um, out there at the information table for taxes, so you can get the tax stuff done. Uh, just letting you know, they're all at the information table. And um, yeah, super exciting what God's done around here. Um, this, you guys, we've, we have just been in this building for a little over a year, really, like a year and a half, and um, we've been able to double the kids' space, which is super cool. Um, we have occupancy of that now, so we're, we're building out a team and getting ready. So if you're like, I, I want to be involved in kids, but I don't know where. We got extra rooms, so um, we, we want you in there. And uh, we're getting ready, as my wife mentioned, getting ready to uh, expand the auditorium space um, just to make more room for more people. And um, it's, it's really exciting. In fact, we're working, with, working on budgets with the contractors and stuff right now to make sure the project's done, done right. And uh, it looks like we're going to be done a lot sooner than we had anticipated, which is just crazy. Just crazy. Um, yeah, just it's a lot of fun to just be a part of what, what God is doing here. And, um, and I get the fun job of being the pastor, which is, which is a lot of fun. I get to do, like, what I love to do. Um, so it's, I, I, I just thank you for letting me be the pastor. I'm, I'm having fun. So, um, yeah, I... I uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it is fun. Um, we've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and um, I, I, this has been a rhythm of my life since 2002, and um, I typically uh, just don't eat anything that's, like, chewable during that time. So, like, pretty much nothing, but then if I want broth or something, I'll do that. Um, and apparently I get grumpy, my wife says, so... Uh, so this year I'm trying something a little different, and so halfway through she's like, "Nope, you're done doing that. You need to be, you need to be nicer." And she said, like, "You're going to do the Daniel fast." And I was like, "Daniel fast? That sounds like a Daniel diet. That's not a fast, you know." And, and, uh, and she put me on that Daniel fast, and oh my goodness, you guys, I, I um, I'm used to just like the discipline of like just not consuming anything, uh, but the discipline of evaluating everything that I consume is also um, completely. Yeah. Uh, consuming, and I, I'll, I'm enjoying it. So, um, yeah, so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been fasting with us, just just pursue, the God, pursue God for this next week. Just jump in. You don't have to do the whole 21 days. Just jump in somewhere. If that's pushing a, a meal aside, or that's just deleting Facebook for the next week, whatever it is for you, uh, putting scotch aside for the next week, whatever it is for you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just fast, just push. It's, it's not about uh, an exercise of discipline. 
it's really an exercise of margin. So it's very different. It's not about, like, I'm just going to you know, beat my body into subjection. That's not what it is. It's, I'm just going to create margin in my life, and I'm going to allow God to fill that margin. Yeah. And he does. It just, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, if, if anybody in the room, uh, if you've broken your fast, or you messed up on your fast, um, hey, you're in good company, right? Come on. But I, I just want to say this. If you feel shame or guilt because you messed up on your fast, you're doing it wrong. You are not designed for the fast. The fast is for you. This is a biblical principle that the Sabbath is not, or the man is not for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for the man. This goes with all the spiritual disciplines, including fasting. It's something that you use to, to draw closer to the Lord, but it's not something you, ex you should experience guilt or shame about because you're growing in it or because you had a headache and you needed to take medicine, you ate, whatever it was. I just want to encourage you, just get back up on the horse. Um, Cowboy up. All right. Come on. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, hey, uh, our staff got to go out to join another church's staff team uh, during a little bit of training beginning of this week. And it was so fun seeing uh, the financial administrator of this church blow everybody's mind with what a party animal she is because she is so much fun. So much she was super loud. The, the, the leaders of the other church were like, she must be like a creative or something. I was like, no, she's the bookkeeper. Like, she's, <laughs> she's just fun. And so, so we have some amazing people here, and uh, I love it. Uh, anyway, hey, um, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Today I'm going to get a little practical with you. The last couple of weeks, it's just been really good. The Lord's really moved. And, but today I want to take a step back and make this very hands-on Put handles on it, put rubber tires on it so you can know how to move forward with this thing called prayer. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, my job is to equip you to do this stuff for yourself. That's my job. Um, uh, my, my role is not to be a chaplain that sort of blesses the things in your life you're already doing. It's like, yeah, God's going to bless you. Like, go win that football game. That, that's a chaplain, right, who, who kind of convinces us, like, God is behind whatever we're doing, even if God is not behind it, right? It's like, it's like no, no, my, my job is to shepherd, and it's to equip. And, and I, I really want to see... Men and women stand up with a real strong relationship with God, not delegating the things of the Spirit to other people, but instead learning how to, to step forward into all that God has for us ourselves. And, um, and really, this church, you guys, this church is founded in prayer. Like, like that, that's, that's what you're seeing here. It's not great preaching. It's not great music. It's not great facilities. Everything that is good that's going on here is rooted in prayer. Like, like, honestly, like, it is the prayer meetings on Tuesday and Thursdays at 11 that is driving what you're experiencing on a Sunday or, or, or the, the woman that was healed or, or it's the prayer meeting we've been doing on Saturdays at 9 in the morning. Those are the places where you're going to experience the real life of the church. I, I don't need a church to entertain me. What I really need is just a, a really competent walk with God, right? Same with you. We, we don't need the entertainment value, and, and, and I try to have fun, but that's not what you need. What you need is some spiritual competency, some spiritual aptitude, and with that, you can, you can really move this ball forward. 
You really can. And so today I'm, I'm going to be talking about prayer and, and how to pray. We're, we're going to be talking uh, from Mark chapter 11 and then from, from two parallel passages that are the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk through the Lord's Prayer. But really, prayer is it's powerful, it's vital, and it's special. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Fairbanks, Alaska, my favorite memories of being a youth pastor are not kids swallowing goldfish, although that was hilarious. Uh, it's not kids having pumpkin pie eating contest until they vomit pumpkin pie. Like, some of you are like, what? Um, vomiting pumpkin pie is disgusting. I just want to say this. So <clears throat> you would think it would be okay, but what happens is it comes out in the same consistency it went in. So it's like... All right. <laughs> my favorite min- my favorite moments. Of- All right, we're dismissed. Uh, <laughs> my favorite memories from doing youth ministry are when 30 or 40 young people would come to the church on a Friday night and just pray yeah. and just get a hold of God. There's yeah. nothing cooler than seeing a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds that could be out partying and being crazy but instead they're like just getting a hold of the things of God it changes things and those kids they don't need to be entertained and and convinced to live for God they have something they've experienced with God that holds them it holds them you don't need a program when you've experienced that and um, so I'm going to jump into it Mark chapter 11 Uh, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, talking about Jesus. He was hungry, and in a minute, you're going to see Jesus wasn't just hungry. He was hangry. He was a little upset. (laughs) He's hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, so he sees this fig tree. It has leaves. He went to see it, and he could find uh, to see. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs and there's a there's prophetic meaning here there's 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 a lot there but I'm going to stay away from the prophetic side of this and I'm just going to talk to just basic understanding of it he is looking to a fig tree to provide figs when it is not time for the fig tree to produce figs and he gets upset in fact it says And he said to it, may no one ever eat from the fruit of you again. (laughs) And his disciples overheard it. So Jesus wasn't telling this to other people. He was telling it to the tree. He says, nobody's ever going to eat out of you again because you're a terrible tree because you're not producing fruit when you're not supposed to produce fruit. It's, It's a really weird thing that Jesus is expecting a fig tree to produce figs when fig trees don't produce figs. Like going to an apple tree in the middle of winter and be like, I curse you, apple tree. May no one ever eat an apple from your apple tree again. It seems crazy. Jesus seems, maybe he's been fasting, so he's a little angry, right? He's a little grumpy. But what's incredible here is Jesus has unrealistic, unreasonable expectations of this fig tree. Really, we serve the kind of God that often has unreasonable uh, unconventional expectations. He, he, he's not placing his expectation of a fig tree on what he knows about fig trees. He's placing his expectation of a fig tree on something outside of his experience. 
we serve the kind of God that, that makes room for unreasonable expectations. I think often we, we keep our faith life in the shallow end of the pool, and we, we keep ourselves within the boundaries of what's reasonable, what's logical, what makes sense, what is to be expected. And I want you to know that you serve the kind of God that likes to see unreasonable expectations. He goes on, and uh, they go about their ministry. He throws tables at the temple. He throws a fit, right? He, Jesus is pretty upset. He's in a bad mood. So he causes this huge ruckus at the temple, and on the way back from the temple, this is what happens just a few verses later, six verses later. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered, and he said to him, Rabbi, look, that fig tree that you cursed for absolutely no reason, <clears throat> it is withered. And Jesus turns around to him and says, have faith in God. Jesus, Jesus doesn't look to him and, and say, yeah, yeah uh, fig trees, the, the, this, this brand of fig tree is supposed to bloom at this time. No, no, no. What he says is, have faith in God. He's, he's telling Peter that there is, there is, there is a, a, a foundation for your unreasonable expectations. Those areas of your life that you feel perhaps you shouldn't pray those prayers, you shouldn't expect those things in the kingdom of God. He, he's saying, have faith in God. There's more than meets the eye in these areas. The truth is this, if you can keep your expectations from conforming to your past experiences, God can use your expectations to accomplish something new. I want to encourage somebody today to, to put your past experiences, your past evaluations behind you and allow God to do something that maybe seems unreasonable in your life. Maybe for you, you went to a church before and you got hurt because someone said something out of turn or, or somebody did something stupid and it, it hurt you, it damaged you. And so you've been coming, but you've been kicking the tires and you've been keeping your distance because you don't want to get hurt again. And I just want you to know that it is okay to allow your expectations to be formed by what God wants rather than your past pain. Maybe you went through a relationship before and the relationship went south. And so now you are in a relationship again, but you're basing it on past experiences and you wonder why it seems like you're in a cycle. And I'm just saying there is power when we say, I'm not going to pay, place my expectations in what I've experienced. Instead, I'm going to place my expectations in a God who has unreasonable expectations. And then he says to the disciples in verse 23, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received. And other uh, manuscripts would actually say it like this. It says it in the present. So it says, believe that you are receiving and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive 
If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is, a, this is an interesting passage because it, it actually polarizes us instantly the moment I read it. Because half of you are like, oh, Lord, I saw preachers like this on YouTube. He's, <laughs> he's believing the Lord for a jet plane. You know what I mean? Like that's, and the other half of you are like, like, ah, let's believe the Lord for a jet plane. Right? So what happens in the church is we read passages like this and we say, oh, no, 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 no. God, that, that's faith stuff. We stay away from that. Faith is the basics of, of living for God. You know that, right? It's the basics. But what we'll do is I'm going to stay away from that because it sounds a little sketch. I saw it on YouTube. Or what we do is we go all in with it and we get really crazy and we start prophesying where our grocery cart is in the Walmart parking lot. I prophesy that I parked my car on this side. No, you parked your car over there. The, the truth is so often we get caught on either end of, of an issue without just dealing with the reality of the issue. And so what we do is we either go all in and get a little weird and we wonder why our, our, our neighbors and our family are like they're a little loose or we go all the way to the other side and we wonder why God doesn't do things in our life. I'm saying this passage is the war. The words of Jesus Christ. This is not some crazy preacher on YouTube. This isn't read in your Bible. Jesus says these words, that if you say to this mountain, be cast in the sea, it'll happen. Somebody says, well, I've never heard of that happening. I have. My sister, when, uh, my sister she attends this church. She's, she's littler than me, but she's my older sister. Um, but I think I could take her. And, um, but, <laughs> but when she was a little girl, so we grew up in what's called the holiness church. What that means is like um, just a lot of rules for women is what it meant. <laughs> but, so, Lord, forgive me. That's so, I'm messed up. So um, it, meant, it meant they wore long skirts. And um, my sisters, when they would walk to school in the mornings, the, there was a big hill and they walked through the, through the grass in the shadow of this hill. And every single morning, the bottom of their skirts would get super wet from all the grass. And uh, then they would show up in school already feeling a little out of place because they, they looked different than everybody else. But also, the bottom half of their dresses were soaked. And so my sister, she began to pray. Like, God, would you just get rid of this mountain? Would you get rid of this hill? Your Bible says, if I prayed, this mountain be cast into the sea. Like, it'll happen. So she starts praying. This little girl, like, like seven years old, starts praying, God would move this mountain. And you know what happened? One day on the way to school, there were some guys unloading dozers. <laughs> and they turned that hill into a neighborhood somebody. Oh, that's cute coincidence. It may be a coincidence, but you know what else it is? It is the expressed faith of a child. That's what it is. And, and, and we serve the kind of God that he, he does want us to pray. Big, bold prayers. Don't shirk back from the big issues of your life. He says it like this. He describes them as the mountains. What is the mountain in your life? What is the thing that sometimes you're afraid to pray about it because you think that you will only be let down by praying about it? 
what are the, the areas that you feel like you just keep hitting the wall, like that point that you can't go beyond, that, that loved one that just never seems to come around? Like, like what, where's that lid that it seems like it never gets beyond? I'm talking about mountains, those, those immovable places of life, those boundaries that we've placed in our own minds, those, those things we can't see beyond. Like maybe in this current season, you have a vision for life, but you can't see beyond what happens next. It's a mountain of, of impossibility in your life. I, I'm just telling somebody, maybe it would be healthy, church if we actually took the time to define what our mountains are. Maybe get yourself a pen and get yourself a paper and write down some mountains in your life. Maybe it's a mountain of my own personality. Like, God, there there are just some things about me. Like, I just go, I become a, a person of wrath. I get mad so easy. And it's this mountain that has prevented me from experiencing promotion at work. It's a mountain that's ex- uh, prevented me from experiencing intimacy in my marriage. And God, I need you to deal with this mountain called anger. Maybe for someone it's a loved one that's, that's lost their mind or a loved one that's doing things that are, that are, that are just outside of your control. He's, God, would you just, would you just, you know what I'm saying? It's like, God, would you just, What would happen if we wrote down our mountains and said, God, I'm, I'm going to start. If your word tells me to actually pray for those things, I'm a little intimidated to pray for. I'm going to start praying for them. Yes. I'm going to start believing your word when you say things. So define your mountains. List those areas of your life that maybe seem unfulfilled. Those areas of your life where it feels like Things just don't belong. Like, write those mountains down, those, those deep places. Because God wants you to pray for those things. Often what we do is we just coexist with the difficulties of life, don't we? We just say, no, I'm just going to coexist with my addiction. I've, already, I've gone through 12 steps, I've, I've tried, I've tried this, I've tried that, never worked, so I'm just going to coexist with it, I'm just going to keep going, I'm just going to try to minimize it. I'm saying, no, it's a mountain, you can pray about it, you can lean into God, like, keep going to 12 steps, keep seeking counsel, but understand that it's also a mountain that's preventing you from all that God wants to do in your life, and go after it. We often look towards things in this life to be the answer to our troubles other than God, don't we? We look towards our bank accounts. We look towards our, our relational network. We look, we look towards um, palaces that we have built in our life. The scripture says it like this in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. The hills is, were the strong fortresses. They're, they're the places of defense. He says, I I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Then he says, it doesn't come from the hills. It doesn't come from the places of defense. It doesn't come from the bank account, the relational network. He says, my help comes from the Lord. I keep going to the doctor, but your help comes from the Lord. Your help comes from the Lord. 
Pastor Chris Hodges says it like this. I, as pastors, we want to sound really smart. And so you do, because you're in front of people every week. So you don't want to look stupid. Um, but I, I find it amazing. Like uh, this, I've seen this quote so much lately. And it's Pastor Chris that said it, but every, everybody's quoting it. They're just not quoting him, which is <laughs> fine. Uh, but he, he, Pastor Chris says, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Mark Batterson says it like this, that prayers are prophecies. The transcript of your prayers will become the script of your life. What are you praying for? I'm, I'm encouraging somebody in this room, maybe some entrepreneur, some mother, some father, maybe some young person stepping into the world, into life. I'm saying, don't shy away from praying big prayers. Get some prophecies of prayer. Get some, get some transcript of prayer into your life that God can really leverage to accomplish some, some incredible things in your life. The problem is when I say this, what happens is everybody's like, yeah, that's awesome. Don't know how to do it. Preacher, you're a professional Christian. Can you do it for me? No. Can't. Can't. We cannot delegate the spiritual things of life. You can't delegate fasting to someone else. You can't delegate prayer to someone else. You can't delegate reading your Bible to your preacher. And what's amazing is even with Jesus, the disciples came to him and didn't know how to pray. Which blows my mind because they lived in a culture that was a theocratic culture. They lived in, uh, in a world that was steeped in religion, and yet they still say, we still don't get it. How many of us, you, you've been living for God for years, and you're still like, I don't know if it's doing anything. Uh, church, I really think there's just power in prayer. Like, the Bible says to pray continually. Like, pray before everything in life. Like, you're going to go into that business meeting, like, just, like, hold off for a minute. Like, pray before the business meeting. Oh, Lord, I pray you bless this meeting. Be in our conversation. Help us to make buckets of money. All right, back to the meeting. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you can pray. Like, like, you're going to go on that date. Like, stop before you go on the date. Pray. Like, Lord, help him not to be crazy, Lord. Like, like help him to be, like, saying, help him to have good credit, Lord. All right, let's, you know. I'm saying we can pray before the things in our life. Yes. We really can pray about all of the areas. And so we come to Luke chapter 11. This is beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And then we're also going to use another portion of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew. The, the difference is um, one, has, uh, one is more of a, a shortened version of the Lord's Prayer and one is an expanded version of the Lord's Prayer. And it um, doesn't mean they're different. It's not an inconsistency in Scripture. What it really is is the Gospels are different people writing from their own experience and what they remember. So certain people remember certain things and other people remember other things, but together it creates a full image. Just like when you got in a car accident, right? I, I got in a car accident about um, three months ago. I got rear-ended and um, finally got my car into the shop. And, and now that my car's in the shop, I State Farm... Uh, gave me a rental to drive, so I'm driving that right now, and it's amazing how much nicer, it's, you know, I was driving this truck, and 
People just kind of ignored me on the road when I was in the truck, but now I'm driving the Subaru RAV4, and people have been so nice. They're, like, waving. They're honking. I'm making friends everywhere. People, like, like they pull up next to me, and they, they, like, make these faces towards me. It's really, it's just amazing. I mean, they're waving out the window, giving me directions to places. Uh, it's really because I have California plates. You're <laughs> like, go back to California. <laughs> like, they're trying to help me. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I need to put a, uh, a paper on the back that's like, it's a rental, it's a rental. <laughs> Simmer down, people, calm down. I drive like this all the time. I'm always a bad driver. You, <laughs> that's why I don't have a church bumper sticker, you know what I'm saying? Because But, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I told it. I don't know how, what that had to do with my passage, but... Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. I mentioned this last week, certain place. When we talk about Jesus, it's a, it's a certain place. It may seem like a random place to other people, but to him, it's a specific place. If you want to change your prayer life, you need a certain place. It doesn't need to be a place I know about. It doesn't need to be a place the person sitting next to you know about. You need a certain place, and you need a certain time. You need a spot. You need, you need a prayer spot. Like, no, pastor, I just pray continually. It's an ongoing conversation. That's great. I do the same thing. But there's something different when I have a certain spot that I stop and I pray at. For me, it's, it's right, right in here. I'm coming. I'm praying right in here. I'm, this, this is a spot for me. I, I want to encourage you. Like the, the Old Testament would call it a prayer closet. Find yourself, if you want to prioritize prayer in your life, you do it the same way you prioritize anything else in your life. Yeah. You put it on your calendar. You put it on the calendar. You, you have prayer in the calendar. So when somebody's like, uh, hey, can we get coffee at this time? You're like, actually, I have a meeting. I, I can't meet with you. And somebody right now, you're putting two and two together. You're like, oh, pastor said he couldn't meet. I know what's going on. It was really just prayer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. That just seems so religious to put prayer on a calendar, right? That seems so religious and so regimented. No, 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 no. <laughs> put dates with your spouse in the calendar, right? I'll tell people that. Put, put a date with your spouse in the calendar, and people say the same thing. They're like, that, that just seems so, like, that it's not authentic. It's not real. It's not going with the flow. People put affairs in the calendar, people. They make reservations, and they put it in the calendar. So if you want to keep a healthy marriage, maybe put some things in the calendar. And if you want a healthy prayer life, put some things in the calendar. It's not religious. It's healthy. All right. <laughs> and when he had finished praying... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. I'm going to jump to Matthew's uh, transcript of the, um, the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's the disciples' prayer. It says it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Okay, really, if you were to look at the, the original language, what is, it's not saying pray these words. It's saying pray in this manner. Pray along these lines. This is not a prayer we quote. 
this is an outline for prayers we add the words to. Okay, so this is an outline. Jesus says, here's your, here's, your, here's your outline right here. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And when I say that, it sounds real peaceful and placid, and we're like, how, how do I really make that part of my life? Because it's an outline, it's not a prayer. Let's go through it. If you want to take notes, this, this will actually help you in your prayer life. The first point is this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First thing is he's approaching God relationally. He's not approaching God as heaven's dictator. He's saying, you're my father. You're somebody that wants good for me. You're somebody that's got my best interest at heart, my father. Then he says, hallowed be your name. What he's really doing is he's describing the Lord's character, the father's character. When you begin praying, start there. Just talk about the character of God. And somebody's like, that seems really weird to be like, God, you are really big. You created the world. You love all of us. That seems weird. No, 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 it's not. And here's why it's not weird. Because if I start talking about your, like if, if we're in this lobby out here and you're talking to someone and you hear someone else talk about you, you perk up. You know what I mean? Like, somebody's like, oh my goodness, girl, like her makeup is so on point. You're like, yes, it is, yes. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna get out of your conversation and you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, talk more about my makeup. It's so amazing. You wouldn't believe what I, it's all minerals. Like, you're gonna go all into it. You know what I'm saying? Men, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you'll be sitting there talking about something and, and you're just like, you're just in the conversation. You hear somebody who's like, like, man, look, his arms are so big or whatever it is. And you're like, yes, they are. They're, like, like, I don't know. I'm just saying when somebody talks about you, you hear it. You pay attention. God does the same thing. The Bible says he inhabits or he lives in. Where you'll find him is the praises of his people. This is why on a Sunday when we're singing songs, it's not karaoke. It's us worshiping him. He shows up. He reveals himself. Uh, He's always here. Yes, he's always here, but his manifest presence shows up. He inhabits his praises of his people. So when we talk about his character, what we're really doing is we're praising him. You don't have to know Bible-y words to talk about the character of God. What you do is you talk about things you've learned about him, maybe here in church, or things he's expressed to you and shown to you. Maybe he provided for you when you were 17. God provided for you. So what you do is you bring that up and say, God, you're a provider. I remember that time when I didn't have what it took. You provided. You just start talking about his character. He shows up. He shows up. Next thing is this. Our Father, uh, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying the Father's agenda. And that's the game changer right there. 
because we usually show up to prayer with our stack of items. And we're like, I'm ready. Like, let's talk about all my issues. Let's talk about my, all my problems. But what we do is we approach it by saying, God, you have an agenda. I want to see your agenda done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to do your agenda through my life and through the things that I have, the, the use it all, my resources. God, what are you doing? I want to be a part of it. It also implies, it says, let your will be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven. This is Jesus teaching this. It implies that his will is not being done on earth. It implies that he's asking you to pray the will of God to the planet so that he can exercise his power in and among people. I'm saying... There is, a, there is a, an enemy of your soul. There is a world at war. There, there really is an enemy who is trying to subvert the purposes of God. And Jesus says, pray that my will is done on earth because like it is in heaven. So we pray God's agenda. We, we say, God, whatever you're doing, whatever you're wanting to do, have your way. And, and however I can be a part, I want to be a part. The next is this. The Father's forgiveness, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's interesting that even after the passage about the fig trees, Jesus is like, ah, you can move mountains if you just believe. It's amazing. And then he says, but you need to forgive people so you'll be forgiven. Yeah. Every single time, this idea of forgiving and making things right with people is attached to the concept of prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much, right? We're like, yes, he just spoke in King James. He said, availeth. This is great. And, 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 uh, uh, he, but the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. We get super excited. But just before that, it says, confess your faults one to another. Because the concept of forgiveness and repentance is always attached to prayer. So we say, God, is there anybody that I'm still blaming in my life? Is there a circumstance I'm still pointing my finger at saying I was mistreated, I was wrong? Because if there is, God, I want to let them off the hook. I want to forgive them right now. God, search me, know me, see my secret sins. Is there anyone I'm blaming? It says, lead us not into temptation. This is the Father's leading. God, I want to be led by you. I don't want to be led by my ambitions. I don't want to be led by the approval of other people. right? I don't want to be led by what other people think or say about me. I don't want to be led by my appetites. Those are the three things we get led by. Our appetites, the approval of other people, and our ambitions. God, I don't want to be led by those things. I want to be led by you. Like, lead me, God. Like, when I find myself just consumed with what other people are saying or what they might be saying, God, I don't want to go down that road. Would you lead me by your gentle hand? God, would you guide me when, when, I'm, when I'm seeking after the appetites of life and, and I'm trying to just climb the ladder so that I can have more things, God, I pray pray you would lead me, like temper my heart so that you can lead me, or, or God, I'm just so consumed by ambition and my goals, like God, I want to build an empire, and God's saying, let me lead you. That's, right. That's how we pray. 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Earlier, my wife said amen, and I, I just, if you've never heard that, or you hear that as a churchy word, you don't know what it means. It means like, yes, and it also means, let it be so. So when the preacher's preaching and you're like, amen, what you're saying is, let that happen. Let that be so. That's, that's right. I agree with that. He says, deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is the Father's authority. This is, this is God showing up in your life, doing work. So if you have a need, if you have a mountain, this is when you bring the mountain to God and say, God, I've got this mountain in my life. Deliver us from evil because you have all authority in heaven and earth. I feel like I missed provision. Did I miss provision? Provision. The daily needs. Yeah. The bread. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray for daily provision. Whether that's, God, I need, I need the emotional support today that I need. Like, I, 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 God, would you bring that? God, whatever it is, provides provision. Simple outline. But Jesus teaches them what to pray. This six-step outline. If you follow the six-step outline, you can pray anything. So he teaches them what to pray, and then he doesn't stop there. He then teaches them how to pray. He says to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? And first of all, like if you, if you got a friend and you're showing up at midnight, that's a problem. <laughs> and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for another friend of mine has arrived from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is shut. My kids are sleeping. Be quiet. You know, all the moms, you know what I'm saying? Like, the kid, if you, <laughs> you're watching them if they wake up. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus is saying, Imagine this. If you had a friend that was <laughs> so inconsiderate, they showed up at midnight looking for bread. I'll throw the bread at you. But Jesus says it like this. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, he's saying the inconvenience of the hour doesn't matter if you're a friend. I'm staying in bed. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Church, Jesus tells us, he gives us a simple outline of what to pray, and now he tells us how to pray. We don't pray based on what we think we deserve. We don't pray based on entitlement because we are in relationship with him. We pray based on perseverance. Uh, it's the persevering prayer. It's, it's the persistent prayer that separates what, what our greeds are from what we really need. Like it's that persistent prayer day in and day out. Like God, I'm just gonna keep praying about this mountain because I, I, I just need to hear an answer from Like it's in those moments when God really shows up. He goes on and he says, and I tell you as the band would come, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. I'm saying it's very practical, six simple points to pray, but the way we pray, the how of how we pray, is persistently knocking on the door over and over and over. But he hasn't answered my prayer, preacher. I don't care, just keep knocking on the door. Because it's, it's not that God is saying like, I'm gonna withhold from her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be mean, I'm gonna withhold so that I can do something. No, it's that when we have persistent prayer, something inside of us changes. Like a level of faith inside of us says, I trust him, he hasn't answered it yet, but I still trust him and I still know he can answer it. Like the three Hebrew children, if he delivers me from the fire, good. If he doesn't, I still won't bow. Like there's this thing that happens inside of us with persistent prayer. This story I'm about to share, I, I, I share it often, but I, I share a lot of the same stories often because they're what shaped me. They're what made me who I am. And I grew up in this, this little church in Northern Canada in, in the Yukon. It's like the size of Texas with 35,000 people. It's a hunter's paradise. The very cold. And in our church, little small church, there was this woman that would stand up for prayer. We would do prayers like um, prayer. Did anybody remember like when the churches would have prayer requests and instead of putting it on paper, you'd like stand up and give your prayer request? We stopped doing that because it can get a little weird. You know, <laughs> just like testimony service can get a little weird. Like one time we're doing this testimony service and this guy uh, gets up to tell what God had done in his life. He's like, yeah, some people, God delivered them from this. And he said, some people, he says, they were fighters, but I was a lover. I was like, I feel really weird right now. I don't know. <laughs> like, the 13-year-old me is like, tell me more, right? <laughs> and, and so this woman, her name was, was uh, well, her name was Sister Nyman because I grew up in the kind of church that said brother and sister. Anybody grew up in that kind of a church, right? Like brother. And, and I thought that was great. I thought it was super respectful until one day I, I was talking to this guy. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was talking to him and he's like, hey, Cal goes to your church. And I said, nope, don't know a cow. And he's like, yeah, a cow. He's a mechanic. He goes to your church. I was like, nope, don't know a cow. And he's like, yeah, a cow stageman. I'm like, you mean brother stageman. Like, like I, it was in that moment that I realized, oh, that formality really distances me from people. I don't even know Brother Stageman's first name. So this is Sister Nyman. And Sister Nyman would get up every single church service, elderly native woman, she'd stand up, she'd say, pray for Andy. Pray for Andy. And as a, an early teenager, I, I knew what that meant. What it meant was, let's feel bad for Sister Irene because, or not Sister Irene, Sister Nyman, because Andy's got no hope. You see, by this point, even though she prayed for him every single week, Andy had been in and out of jail. He had spent over 15 years of his life in jail by this point. He'd been hooked on heroin for over 20 years at this point in his life. In fact, at this point when when Sister Nyman would get up to pray for Andy, 
Andy was living under a street bridge, like an overpass in Vancouver, Canada, completely hooked on drugs, making his money with a knife at an ATM. So we would pray, like we just the obligatory, oh yeah, we're, we're church, we pray. We're gonna pray for Andy, that God would do something. Fully expecting that one day, Sister Nyman would get a call that Andy had overdosed or he'd been murdered or something had happened on the streets and, and then we would console her. That was my skeptic mind. That's where it was. But we serve the kind of God that answers a mother that just keeps praying for a son everyone has given up hope on. And she just kept knocking on that door, pray for Andy. I'm like, no, it's not gonna, she just keep praying for Andy. And this, this old elder woman, she would say, pray for Andy. And one day, this guy Andy, who was living on the streets in Vancouver, was, was, uh, was, was, was walking down the street ready to score. And he walked by a little Asian guy that said, hey, can I pray for you for a minute? And Andy said, yeah, my mom is a church lady. She, he said, yeah, you can pray for me. He, I've tried this before. And the guy puts his hand on him, prays this inconsequential prayer over Andy. And when he does it, Andy doesn't feel a thing. Nothing happened. No light from heaven shines. His, like he doesn't feel any different. Nothing's changed. Still wants the, still fiending. And he goes to his, his dealer and he goes and he gets two eight balls and he gets a, gets a couple joints and he goes back to his apartment that he shared with a couple prostitutes. And when he was there, he, he takes this needle and he sticks it in his arm and gets frustrated because nothing happens. It's, but it's not some uh, different dealer. It's his normal dealer. It's, it's the guy he can rely on. And so he takes the second and he sticks it in his arm and nothing happens. And he get, he's getting frustrated. He's getting upset at this point. So he pulls out a joint. He lights it, sticks it in his mouth. He's, he's like, let's, let's see. I, I, got, I just got to get away from this. I need to numb this a little bit. I got I to gotta feel something different. He starts inhaling this joint and nothing Nothing happens, and it's at that moment in an apartment that he shared with two prostitutes, he was strung out on drugs, and in this moment he realizes the prayers of an inconsequential little guy on the side of the street who when when he laid his hands on Andy, what he said was, God, would you take away all sensation of these drugs? Let them have no effect on his life. And in that moment, Andy's like, oh my goodness, I've been trying to get rid of this for my whole life. I've been, this thing has ruined my life. And for the first time, I'm free. So Andy gets rid of the rest of the drugs. He finds a payphone and calls his mama. And he says, mama, keep praying. God's doing something in my life right now. And he shows back up in his home church in the Yukon. He goes into the police station. He says, I've got all these words. I just want to take care of them. God's doing something fresh and new in me. And they said, you know what? The good news is this. You, you've gone past the statute of limitations. You're not going to jail, buddy. Like, like, and then this guy, Andy, who, who had been, been, he dropped out of school when he was 16 because in Canada, he was part of the residential school system, a terrible invention. And, 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 and he goes back to the college, to Yukon College, and he gets his GED and and then he goes back to college some more and he gets his bachelor's degree and then he keeps going to college and 
he gets himself a master's in social work and then the guy never had a healthy relationship and his wife marries this beautiful woman named Estelle and this guy that had no hope in life that everybody had given up on that made his money at knife point at ATMs this same guy the queen of England calls the government of of the Yukon and she appoints Andy to be the queen's ambassador to children in Canada because he had gone through residential schools and, and, and he understood what it was like to be a native child in Alaska. And so this guy that had no hope that would have made his money at the tip of your neck, this same guy's appointed by the queen of Canada to go into villages to preach the gospel to little kids and their families. And he's like in the middle of nowhere baptizing people and praying with people. And now this guy's been clean and sober for 30 years. He pastors a church in Ross River. I'm just saying God can do anything. Persistent prayers. I'm just going to keep knocking on that door, Jesus. My daughter that's gone wayward that has lost her mind, I'm just going to, I don't care what I see. I don't care what the report is. I'm just going to keep praying. I'm just going to keep praying. Would you stand with me all across the room? Church, we serve a prayer-answering God. And I wonder if there's some men or some women in the room today that you've got some genuine mountains you're looking at. Just some insurmountable situations. Your Bible says that he knows what you have need of before you even ask We're going to do the same thing that we did last week where we're going to connect a physical step with a spiritual step. There's just something about it. If you're ready to bring a mountain before God, I'm going to ask you to attach a physical step with your step of faith. Step into the aisle, come to the front, but we're going to believe God, the mountain-moving creator of the universe to meet us here. So if you have a mountain today and you want to pray, believing God for a miracle, step out of where you are, step into the aisle, come to the front, because we serve the kind of God that answers prayers. That's it. Just a couple bold people that say, no, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I need... I need him to move some mountains today. Come on. Anybody else? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make a scene. But we are the kind of church that believes in the power of prayer. God is calling you to pray with one of these people, or maybe you just believe that God has done a miracle before and can do it again, I want you to go gather around one of these here. Just gather with them. Come on, don't leave anybody hanging. We're a kingdom of priests. We're a church that prays. 
are households that pray. So come on down. I need some more people to come pray. I want you to ask them what you're praying for. Just be like, hey, what am I praying for? for them like a friend begging for bread at midnight. I want you to pray for them like you would want someone praying for you. So right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we don't stand on our own authority. We don't stand on our own agendas. We don't stand on our own plans. We stand on the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so right now, Sickness be healed. Minds be transformed. Healing happen right now in the name of Jesus Christ. The bondage of addiction be broken right now, just like you did for Andy. Do it right now. I pray there'd be no effect, that they wouldn't get any excitement out of it anymore, that it wouldn't affect their body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for that that family member, that child that has walked away from you and is creating a heartbreak in a mom and dad. God, I pray that right now you would place godly, strategic people in front of her to speak to her, to counsel her, to comfort her right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray for that man that's trying to figure out what to do with his life and how to be all that you've called him to be. God, I pray that right now you'd begin to do a work inside of him you transform some old habits. God, that you'd reshape some old ways of thinking. Because the only one that's true is you, Jesus. The lies we have believed are not true. Jesus is the only one that's true. So right now, Lord, we declare that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. That our stories are not done, but you're still writing. But you're still at work. God, that you would do powerful work right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. church around here, we like to um, we like to respond to the message with worship. I just think there's something special about just not walking out the door, just getting back to life as usual, but taking a moment to say, God, just soak this into me. Seal this into my life. Because he's not done. Would you worship with us right now? Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.